say our very own Greg Lake is uh, going to be speaking today. So, woo, cheers. That's good. More cheers than I get. So that's good. That's a good sign. Hey, uh, why don't you come up and I'll uh, love to pray for you. So, so uh, Greg is uh, obviously you know, family, part of the community, but also are helping to oversee our Transformation Center. And there is a lot happening, a lot happening. And Greg carries a lot of uh, multiplicity of brain space. So we have, we, we have lots of conversations between Amy and Greg and myself. You have no idea how big this whole thing is and how many different things, like at, at one moment it's, it's thinking of, you know, program ideas and how this works then it's like food distribution things and then it's property renovation and government grants and all sorts of stuff um but really and amy and i both say often many times to greg and behind his back uh, just how thankful we are uh to have you in in this community in terms of what you bring as just a family member but also particularly in that role and uh, like you are a, a gift from God and and the timing and uh, even as we've journeyed together and uh, and hearing kind of prophetic words that God shared and you know even one of them that I, I played a bit last week the Bob Hazlett word and uh, I remember Greg saying to me it's like man it felt like God's he was just preparing two different communities side by side and then he's brought us together and uh, and there's such a sign and um, of his hand at work and so we're thankful for you we receive what you have to to share and we bless you so let me pray. Yeah, we thank you, Father, for, uh, for, uh, for this man, and we thank you for the Lake family, Lord. We pray a blessing upon uh, Marika and the kids as well, as Greg shares, Father. But we just do receive uh, what you have to say today, Lord, that we'd have open hearts and open ears to receive uh, from you, Holy Spirit. But as you uh, do choose to uh, live in us, Lord, and speak through us, God, uh, we open our hearts to hear what you have to say through Greg today, and we bless him. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Awesome. Bless you. Thank you. I feel so covered. Um, I just feel uh, it's been a big journey. So thank you. Well, for those that know, my name is Greg. My wife is Marika. I was going to point her out, but unfortunately, she's home sick today. Uh, yes, please pray for her. We got married when I was 19 years old. Now we've been married 21 years. Isn't that amazing? 21 years of marriage. We have four wonderful kids. William over here. We have, yes, round of applause for Will. We have William, Emily, Cruz, and Jackson. And if you haven't met my kids already, probably after the service, they'll be up a tree or running between your legs or playing with a fire, probably in inappropriate ways. But that's okay, they love it here. I remember, um, so probably six months before we transitioned our church across, if you don't know the story, I'm sure someone else can share that with you, because um, I will take up the whole time here, so I won't share it today. Um, but even before we transitioned across, we would often come and visit Paradox and we'd hide out in the back and so as part of that, um, we would have our church service in the morning and our kids loved it so much here. Every week they're pestering us to come to Paradox in the afternoon so they can come out. So there's something really special here when kids just want to be here. Likewise, we've loved being here and feel connected as family. 
Well, I'm going to summarize the last 21 years of marriage in one minute, okay? And you're going to feel exhausted. We've lived in, say, in the last 21 years of marriage, we've lived in 22 different homes, have worked in 18 different jobs, that's just me. We've owned four businesses, we've lived overseas three times, spent a year on the mission field in Cambodia, a year at a ministry school in California. I've been a Baptist pastor and left to start a church three years ago with Mark and Sam and Andy and Jenny and a whole range of people over in this section. And then over the past four months, we've transitioned that church across to Paradox, closing one and coming and feeling a part of this family. And all of that, our marriage is stronger and better and the best it's ever been. So there must be a God. Amen. <laughs> there is a God. But do you know what? All of that blessing, I come from five generations plus of believers, um, church planters, uh, just people that love the Lord. It wasn't all their siblings, but I just happened to be blessed down that generational line. And out of all of that blessing, nothing compares. I would give all of it up if it was just to get Jesus. He's so special to me. And every day I realize that more and more. Jesus has been so faithful through this transition. Now, I've served Jesus. I serve him a lot. But tell you what, he's served me over those last four months. He's just so faithful. And not just over the last four months, but over my whole life. Even during the times where I ignored him, even during the times where I didn't please him or hurt people that he loved. He was still waiting eagerly for me picking up where we left off, eagerly anticipating our next conversation. That's the Jesus I know, and that's the Jesus that he wants to be to you. There's nothing you could do for him not to want to see you again and to speak with you again and to hear from you again. So it's an honour not just to be preaching at Paradox today, but to be sharing about Jesus. Well, two weeks ago, Amy approached me and said, hey, can you speak on servant leadership? So I said yes, not really knowing exactly what that meant, but I thought, if it's important, Jesus probably has something to say about it. So generally, I've preached a number of times before at previous churches, and generally my process is I just start dialoguing with God about it. I just have a conversation with him. So you might call it prayer, I call it a chat, because I wanna hear from him as well as speak to him. So I have this conversation with him, asking him about it. So while I'm driving the car, or maybe I'm packing hampers, or I'm talking renovations up the back. I'm just having a conversation, asking him what he thinks of this topic. And I know I've been a Christian all my life. I know I've read the Bible multiple times. And he just reminds me of all these different things. And the summarization of all of that was that Jesus is a servant leader. So can we talk about Jesus today? Does that work? Yeah, let's talk about him. Jesus that set the example for us through his life. And then he said to his followers, go and do the same as me. We see time and time again in the Gospels where Jesus says, hey, if you love me, then obey my commands, do what I've done, as I have done, you go and do that. And so just before he goes back to heaven, he uh, says to his disciples, hey, do what I did. Now, if you're like me, I look at Jesus and think, man, he's like way up here and I'm way down there. How can I possibly do I live a life that's even closely like the one that Jesus lived. But do you know what? He says, wait. Hey, wait. Wait, because I've got a gift that my father promised. 
and it's the Holy Spirit, and He's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to help you to live as I did. Now, the disciples were trained for three years, day in, day out, by Jesus Himself, God Himself, and He told them to wait for the Holy Spirit. So we look at Jesus' life and we think, man, that's just so far beyond me, but the reality is it's the Holy Spirit living us that empowers us, but it still makes us to make some decisions. Jesus wants us to model our life on him. In 1 Corinthians 10.32, look at that technology. This is from the ESV version. It says, give, so this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. So it's a letter he's sending to people that uh, see him as their leader and that they wanna follow him and listen to what he's saying. And so he says, give no offense to the Jews, which were God's people, or to the Greeks, which were not God's people, or to the church of God, which are followers of Jesus. So give no offense to them, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So the first point is this, servant leader models their life on Jesus. A servant leader models their life on Jesus. Now, you might be thinking, well, what is a servant leader? Well, at this point, it's really irrelevant because anyone, anything we should ever talk about up here should be related to Jesus and his life. And so if you get nothing out of today, model your life on Jesus. That's the point. Irregard of what servant leader actually means, if we model our life on Jesus, we're going to be put in good stead to see our relationships healthy and our workplaces healthy and our friendships healthy and our city healthy. So Paul, there's this, this guy, Paul, he wrote that um, passage to the church at Corinth. He wrote a good proportion of the end of the Bible. Now, if you go to the end of the Bible, you'll see what we call books. The reality is they're letters. They're letters that he wrote to churches that he was involved with starting. So he writes all these letters of encouragement to the church so they know how to live their life, okay? So he writes these letters and that was one of them. Now, Paul had his own transformation journey. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. He had an encounter with Jesus, and through that encounter, he learnt about Jesus. He was the one that wrote those words that we just read, imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's in the Bible, yes, okay? We think, man, that sounds wrong, doesn't it, imitating a person. It's in the Bible. The reality is sometimes in our journey, we follow Christ. Sometimes in our journey, we follow someone who's following Christ. Often we need someone standing in front of us that represents the way that Jesus lives so we can see, oh, that's how it is. I can see the fruit in that person's life. I can see the health of their relationships and the way that they parent. For now, I'm gonna model my life on them while I'm trying to understand this Bible and what it means and how to apply it. So we go through different stages of our journey of what that looks like. Either way, the more we model our life on Jesus or through someone that's modeling their life, the better our relationships, the better we're gonna to be to be able to parent, the better we're gonna be sons and daughters, the better we're gonna be bosses or employees, the better friends we're gonna be, and the better we're gonna treat strangers. If we model our life on Jesus, everything in all of those relationships are gonna be transformed. So let's get back to defining what servant leadership actually means. So let's start with the word leader. I want you to think of what the word leadership or leader means, and if it helps, 
think of a leader, a great leader that you look up to. Just give you a couple of seconds. It's highly likely you would have gone straight to someone or straight to a thought of a leader is someone who leads a group of people. Maybe it's in your workplace, maybe it's in your family or in a church, maybe in a sporting team or in politics, or many other scenarios, but leadership at its core is not about position. Position, in actual fact, is the lowest form of leadership. It's actually about influence. Leadership about, is about influence. We typically think of influence over people because you're in charge of them, because of the position that you're in. But think about every relationship that you have. Not just the significant ones like a spouse or a family or friends or your, with your kids or your parents or a workplace. Even those insignificant ones. Maybe it's the person at your local checkout at the shop. Maybe it's, um, maybe it's the postman that comes past every day. Something that seems so incidental. With each of those relationships, you have an effect on their life. You have a direct influence over their life. You can uplift them or you can bring them down. You can help them experience joy or happiness or sadness, delight, love, peace, hurt, pain, fulfillment, lack, and so much more. You are leading their experience in that moment or for that day Maybe it's for the next week your impact lasts, or maybe it's for decades to come. You are leading that experience and altering their life, and that is what leadership is. It's influence. But if we take that a step further, it's not just influence over someone, it's us recognizing that influence. So it's recognizing, hey, I have an impact over this person, and what am I gonna do with that impact? How am I gonna treat that person? What am I gonna say to that person? How am I gonna influence what's going on? And I take responsibility for it. So if you think of leaders of this century, just think for a moment about great leaders that the world would define as great. They're generally people that have a large influence over lots of people, generally thousands of people, if not millions of people, and it's by the position that they hold. So if you think of those great leaders, it's generally because of the position that they hold, they have influence over lots of people and give direction to them, and because of that, they have great influence. Now, Jesus, in contrast, had very few people he was positionally a leader of. In fact, not one person was required to follow Jesus. Not one. The disciples weren't required to follow Jesus. None of those people that came were required to follow Jesus. You and I are not required to follow Jesus. But what happened is more and more people started following him. Now, if I look at those, say we say it's the people that chose to come under his position. We look at the ones from the Bible. So we would say the 12 disciples saw him as their leader. Probably say there was 72 others he sent out around the place that probably looked him as their leader. And my guess, not scriptural, I'm guessing say another 100 people that were daily involved in his life and looked to him and took direction. There's lots of other people that listened to him and thought he was a great teacher, but positionally he was in charge of very few people. But his influence has impacted in one way or another 
literally billions of people for thousands of years after he died. Isn't that incredible? That a man who was never in charge of anyone has impacted billions, literally, we use that word billions like it's this big number that's unreachable, but it's literally billions of people that he has impacted, that see him as their leader. What was different about Jesus is that the greatest leader the earth has ever had, what was different about him and every other leader, he didn't have influence because of position or authority, his influence came because he served. That's what he was. Jesus was a servant, he wasn't in charge of anyone, he literally came as a servant, but impacted billions of people. And through being a servant, in serving, he would love God and he would love people and he altered the course of history. So we talk, looked at what the word leader means. What is the word servant? Uh, in the Bible, the word servant refers to one who gives himself up for another's will, someone who is devoted to another to the disregard of their own interests, or in the context of believers, one whose service is used in Christ in extending and advancing his cause among people. In every way, Jesus was the greatest leader who had the biggest impact on the world that any person, any single person has ever had. But in every way, he was the most humble of servants. He served the Father's purpose and he served the needs of people. Now the paradox, it's a great word. The paradox of Jesus that he was the greatest leader and he was the most humble of servants. There's very few people in this world we could say separately, they're a great leader. Hey, they're a great servant. We refer to people as, man, they're a great servant. We refer to others as they're a great leader. But rarely do those two things come together, especially in the secular world. We just don't see that happening. We see great leaders that are out for their own self-interest. And we see great servants that just humbly serve aside from their own interests, but we don't see those that continue to serve and have a great influence. We don't recognize servants in this world as great leaders, but Jesus was different. Jesus didn't come as the ruler or the king. He came as a baby in a manger, like a stable from this town called Nazareth that no one liked. And that he was a child, he was come under the teachers, under the teachers in the synagogue. Then he became an adult as a carpenter. And then he just started serving people and people started following him. He was so different to what they were expecting in this uh, king to come. You know that guy, Paul, that we talked about, who said, imitate me as, we imi as I imitate Christ. He started out as this super religious guy called a Pharisee. Now, a Pharisee is someone who really cared all about the law and trying to add all these laws to try and control people and make them do the right thing. They were super zealous for God. In the end, we find out they're misguided. But in every way, in every way, he was for God, but super religious. Now, the Pharisees knew the Messiah was coming. All of these Jews knew the Messiah was coming. They were all looking out for the Messiah to come. And based on their idea of what ruling looked like, they were looking for a king. They were looking for a warrior. They were looking for another King David, which was this great warrior that would be in the front of the battle and lead 
the Jewish people out against their enemies. That's the person they were looking for, the Messiah. They were looking for the king, the ruler. They were looking for the one that had the position. So when Jesus comes on the scene, and don't you love it when Jesus comes? I love it when Jesus comes. Not just there, but now he's just so good. So Jesus comes on the scene and they don't recognize him as the Messiah. He's completely different to what all of them expected. Completely different. He was so opposite to the king they wanted and the warrior they wanted. He came as a servant when they wanted a king. And so in the same way that Jesus lived his life, so we too should model our life on Jesus. Jesus heads back to heaven. Okay, so we get to the end of his life. He heads back to heaven. And then later, I looked it up, it's maybe between three and six or nine years or so later, that Jesus appears to Paul. So Paul is, um, just gets really zealous and he wants to attack and kill and imprison um, and punish everyone that was following Jesus. So he's on the road to Damascus and to arrest followers of what they called the way or followers of Jesus. And on that road, he encounters Jesus and Jesus transforms him. I'm just amazed, just the um, stark contrast between the Paul before, or he's called Saul before, the Paul before and the Paul after that one encounter with Jesus. He went from the most against Jesus to the most for, willing to give up his life, face prosecution, face imprisonment. This person that was trying to imprison the people that were following Jesus is now willing to go to prison in pursuit of Jesus. So different. Paul gets a profound revelation of who Jesus was. Profound revelation. He wasn't taught by Jesus, but he gets this like download of who Jesus was. Now we're gonna pick up, there's another letter. It's called uh, Philippians. So it's a, church, a letter to the church at Philippi. It's gonna appear on your screen. We're gonna read from Philippians 2, verse three to eight. So this is him writing to the church, giving them direction and guidance. He said this, he said, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Another version says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. I.e. he didn't use his position to his advantage but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being in, born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. All right, so the second point is that a servant leader uses their influence to serve God and to serve people. We see both happening in that passage. See, Paul described Jesus' life in this passage as a servant of God and a servant of man never using his position to his advantage and ultimately serving his father's purpose by becoming obedient to the point of death on the cross. And then in that death, he again continues to serve us and bring us life. The greatest commandment, uh, I'm not reading the passage at the moment, the greatest commandment is to love God and to love others. It's in our paradox vision statement. But love looks like something, okay? 
love looks like something. Now, uh, for too often in my church journey, all my friends were Christians. I huddled in Christian groups. I went to Christian schools. I was around youth group and church huddles and home group. And we get ourselves around each other and we love each other and we pat each other on the back. The reality is love looks like more than that. If I look at Jesus' life, very rarely was he hanging around his followers. Most of the time he took his followers and said, hey, let's go hang around these people that um, society are rejecting. Let's go and hang around the people that the Pharisees don't like, that the religious people don't like. He was all about other people. So the, the idea of loving God and loving others actually looks like serving God and serving others. There's a practical aspect to what love looks like. It's not just a feeling. Love is not just a feeling, it's not just an inward emotion. It's an outward expression. Jesus' life demonstrated what loving God and loving people looked like by serving God and for serving people. Now, as I recall Jesus' life through the Gospels, he's never controlling. He's never manipulating people to do his will. He's never looking for promotion or for position. He's never concerned about having his needs met. Now, the reason Jesus could faithfully and extravagantly serve people was because his needs were met by the Father. The reason Jesus could extravagantly serve people was because his needs were met by the Father alone. Jesus was able to give, he was able to bless, he was able to heal, to provide, to pour out. Day after day after day, because day after day after day, he would set himself aside and spend time with the Father. That's the only reason Jesus, if you watch um, The Chosen, I love The Chosen, The Chosen fan. Uh, if you see that, there's just one that happened in this season, which is Jesus healing person after person after person, and you see the toll that it takes on him physically. The reason Jesus could continue to serve and serve and serve is because he would pull himself away and spend time with the Father. That's where he was fueled up. That's where his needs were met. That's why Jesus was healthy, because he had his needs met by the Father and not by those that he was serving. Too often we try and get our needs met by people when we were supposed to get our needs met by God. And from that place of having our needs met by the Father, we are free to go and serve, we are free to go and love. Luke 5, 15 to 16. It says, but now even more the report about him went abroad. The report about Jesus went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. This is Jesus. You think he would just go and go and go, but he recognized when he needed to be filled up again. When he needed to go back to the Father and say, Father, this is what I need. I need to hear from you. I need to be restored. I need to be in the right place so that I can go and freely serve. So the third point is that a servant leader gets their needs met by Father God. So important. Too often in my life, I've gone and served and served and served. And you get to the point of like, uh, for me, it wasn't burnout, but it was dissatisfaction. Because I was seeking from what I was doing and I wasn't getting what I needed from what I was doing. Because the reality is I was supposed to get that met by the Father so that when I go and serve him and serve people, 
I need nothing from it because I'm filled up from the Father. That's what we have to have. We have to be filled up by the Father. Jesus would set himself aside from his disciples and for those that needed him and he would spend time with the Father. But we're not, like I said, we're not meant to just go and hide out in our prayer closet 24 hours a day. The purpose of the prayer closet is that so we can go and love and serve and help people. Jesus' outward expression of serving God and serving people came from the place of intimacy with the Father, having his needs met by God so that he was able to serve, not needing anything in return. You know, discipleship at its core is about becoming more like Jesus. And Jesus' life and ministry was built on his relationship with the Father. There is no shortcut to having your needs met by God other than spending time with him. It's not this quick download that happens. It's time. It's time in conversation with God. It's time in the word. There's no shortcut to that. You know, in 21 years of marriage, you learn a few things about relationships. Some of those lessons I was definitely a little slow on, but I'm getting better. I've found that any time there's been tension or trials in our relationship, the source was because either I was seeking my own interests and I wasn't a servant or I was seeking from my wife what I was meant to seek from God. My wife is not God and I am definitely not God. But the problem happens in relationships when we try and get our needs met from the other that we were meant to go to God for. That's when unhealthiness comes into relationships because there's no way for that to work if I'm trying to get from my relationship what I was supposed to get from God. There's no shortcut, shortcut to being filled up from God other than spending time with him. From that place, I am free to serve my wife and serve my kids and serve my workplace and serve my friends and serve my city. I can honestly say the health of my relationship with my wife and my kids is directly related to the time that I spend with God and getting my needs met from Him. That's the source of the healthiness of our relationship. The most important way I can serve my family is to spend time with God and that extends to every relationship that I'm involved with, that extends to every person I meet. The health of that relationship is getting my needs met from God so I can freely serve people where they're at. So in that passage in Philippians 2, we read sort of two passages ago. It was talking about uh, Paul saying, humble yourself, look into the interests of others. Um, and when you do that, uh, you're looking like Jesus because Jesus did the same and he went and died on the cross. So Philippians 2, 9 to 11, it says this, it says, therefore, when you read the word therefore, it means you need to read the verses before it, okay? We just read those verses. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The last point is that a servant leader's influence grows through serving. Let me explain it. So we'd read this passage earlier, which was uh, Paul saying, hey, go and serve people. Look to the interests of others, just like Jesus did, because Jesus came as a servant and he humbled himself and looked to the interests of others and he was serving God and he was serving man eventually to the point of going to the cross. Because 
So Paul's saying Jesus was a servant. Because of that, he was exalted and he became the name that was above every other name. So the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. It's not a coincidence that it's saying, actually, if you go low and serve like Jesus, that's where our influence comes from. Jesus was the king, of, he is the king of kings. He is the name that everyone falls on their needs and proclaims because he came to serve people and to do what was needed. He was the ultimate service. None of us are ever gonna be anywhere close to that, but he modeled a life that is service and it's through service that we see influence. If you look through the Old Testament, you see all of these people like Abraham and Moses and Esther and King David, their great influences through service. They were all reluctant leaders, all willing to give up their life for God's purpose. It was through service that saw them gain great influence. I encourage you to read those stories because it wasn't because of their position they had influence, it was because of their service that they gained the influence and some of those ended up having a position. But interestingly, if you look at King's David life, so from a young age, he was serving his family as a shepherd. He was serving God in worship. He was then uh, serving the Jewish people and God by defeating Goliath. He was then serving the king that wanted to try and kill him. God appointed him as king. And interestingly, it was his position that was his downfall. When he stopped serving God's purpose and started serving his own interests, he goes and commits murder and adultery. And that was his downfall when he used his position to his advantage. We have to go after serving. Our influence comes through serving. It's not just a Jesus thing, it's a kingdom thing. Service creates influence. Brad talked over the last couple of weeks, he's mentioned briefly um, the favour that we have with our city council. They continue to try and to help us. It's only God. It hasn't come because we are a big organisation that demands attention. It hasn't come because we're putting pressure on them or we're using contacts that we have in there to get our case put forward. We've just faithfully served people in need in this city without fanfare, without attention, faithfully using what God has given us to serve people. In fact, the first time I met the head of communities at the council, I said to her, how can we serve you? You're doing an awesome job. How we can, can we make your life easier? What can we do for you? There was no request about what we wanted. It was just positioning ourselves as, hey, God's blessed us to be able to serve. And I know that our influence comes through service. And so we're just gonna continue to serve. The influence of gain in this city was and will always be from going low. We're not here to exalt the name of paradox or the paradox church. We're here to serve people because God has asked us to serve people. And as we go and spend time with the Father and we get our needs met, we are free to serve for nothing back. We will do everything we can for our city. We don't expect or want anything back in return for that. I know the influence and the favour is gonna come because that's, it can't defy kingdom principles. And the kingdom principle is that as you go low and serve, the influence is gonna come, but we're not serving to gain influence, that would be serving our own needs. We are serving because God asked us to serve, he called us to serve. The influence for the kingdom that, we call it the leaven, it's a bit of a Christianese word, the yeast, that's even more Christian, is it? Really, 
by going low and serving, gradually the influence of the kingdom spreads out in our city. Not because of anything we've done other than serving, it's God that comes and brings the influence. God's to come and change the hearts. As we go and low and serve, we're gonna see this city change for the glory of God. We're gonna see every knee bow to the name of Jesus. We're gonna see every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. I've been saying this for years, I still believe it. This city is gonna be transformed for the glory of God by serving one person at a time. Serving their needs where they're at with whatever is needed for them because we are filled up people, aren't we? We get our needs met from the Father and from that place, we can freely serve. So whether someone is super, we get people that are super ungrateful for what we do for them. But because our needs are met from God, I need nothing back from that person. Whether they are grateful or not, I don't need anything from them. Whether they're mouthing off in my face, I don't need anything from them. My Father meets my needs. And so I can freely love and continue to come back. And we've seen people transformed in dramatic ways from where they would be shouting and yelling at us at the start and then they are bigger supporters months later, years later because we just continue to love and serve. So let's recap. A servant leader models their life on Jesus, okay? You take one thing away, get more Jesus into your life. Look at people modeling Jesus. Mimic Jesus, read about Jesus, do everything about Jesus because he is gonna transform every area of your life. The second thing is use your influence to serve God and to serve people, okay? Because as you serve, you're gonna gain influence. Remember, influence is what can I do with this person in front of me? What difference can I make in their life? How can I call out the gold? How can I uplift them? How can I meet their needs? Jesus continually met needs. If you look at all of those people that Jesus healed, a large proportion of them did not turn and give their lives to him. A large proportion of them, he just continued to serve. He wasn't trying to get salvation, he was just trying to meet needs. And that's why everything changed for Jesus. So the third thing was a servant leader gets their needs met by Father God. You have to spend time with him. You have to get in the word. My life is transformed by the word. I have, to, I have to get into it, have to read it, have to understand it. And lastly, a servant leader's influence grows through serving. And when your influence grows, keep serving. And when your family starts getting healthy because you're serving, just keep serving them. And when your workplace is transformed because of serving your boss or serving your employees, keep serving. And when our city starts to change, through service, we're just gonna keep serving. We're not gonna change and start taking uh, a position over them. We're not gonna come and start demanding things. No, we're just gonna keep serving. Because as we serve, God brings the influence. God brings the results and that's what we want. Now, when we look at Jesus' life, it's easy for us to feel lack. If you're growing up in Christian circles, what happens is that we go and put off our mess and then we come before other church people say, look at me, look at how good I look. And then we walk out the door and we go home to our mess. We put on our Sunday best, they call it. But the kingdom's not like that. What Jesus says, he looks at us and he says, I see the mess in you. I see you as you are. 
I see the hurt you're causing. I see the pain you're causing. I see how, how you look at yourself and you're disgusted. But Jesus says, I see you and I love you. Right as you are, right in your mess, that's what he does. He looks at me and he says he loves me. Even if I'm hurting someone, even if I'm selfish, he looks at me and he says he loves me. And then he says, come with me, look at me, put your eyes on me and follow me. I'm gonna show you. And here, here's my spirit, here's the Holy Spirit. He's gonna guide you into all truth. Now what happens as we're following Jesus and we make mistakes is that the enemy comes and he says, look at you, look at what you've done. He's asked you to come on a journey with you. Look at what you've done, look how you've stuffed up. And he wants us to believe that lie that we're rejected in that moment. But as I said in my journey, every time I come back to Jesus, I get him where we left off. That's the Jesus that I know and that's the Jesus he wants to be to you. So if you're feeling, looking at Jesus' life and feeling condemned that you don't measure up, know that you do measure up because of what Jesus did. He accepts you exactly as you are. There's nothing, no change you need to be in your life other than to go and spend time with him. And as you go and spend time with him, he's gonna accept you and he's gonna love on you and he's gonna bless you. And the only conviction that the Holy Spirit brings to you He's gonna say, hey, you're way too awesome to be doing that. Look at me, come back on this track. This is the best life that I have for you. This is the best life I have for you, okay? That's what the conviction of the Holy Spirit is. It's calling out the goodness in us and where he wants for us. If you're hearing in our voice, then tune it out because it's not the voice of God. The voice of God calls us into greatness. He doesn't condemn us, okay? If you can stand, I'm gonna pray for you. You know, I hope more and more that I'm gonna choose Jesus' way. His is the best way. More and more I wanna choose Jesus' way. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love. We just invite your love right now Father, we just invite your love to come and pour out on each person here. That where they're feeling lack, where they're feeling hopeless, where they're feeling regret, where they're feeling like you're over there and they're over here, Father, would you meet them exactly where they are? Father, we just posture our heart towards you like that uh, the lost son, Father, that just turned back towards the Father and you come running. So we invite you to come running into our life right now. I just feel a burden for people that just feel so far away from him. He wants you and he loves you. He would pay every price. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. Not for the person next to you, not for the one down the road, not for the pastors, not for the leaders, for you. He sent his son for you and he saw the value in you and he calls it out in you and he says, you are my son, you are my daughter and I am well pleased with you. Come with me, learn from me. Here is my spirit, he's gonna guide you. 
So Father, right now, I ask that you would um, come with your encouragement and your help and your direction. Would you help us to keep our eyes on you? Would you help us to spend time with you? We just repent now for all the times that we've ignored you. We repent for all the times where we know you've been calling and we've chosen something else. We repent now of that and we ask for your forgiveness. And I know that you freely give it. So we receive that forgiveness in Jesus' name. And we thank you that we are whole, that we are forgiven, that we are loved. And so I just pray that you would help us to serve our spouses, God. Would you help us to look to you for our needs and would you help us to serve our spouses, to serve our kids, to serve our parents? Would you help us to serve our workplace? Would you help us to serve our friendships? Would you help us to serve our city? Would you help us to serve that checkout person and that postman and anyone else we meet? Because we are loves and we have our needs met in you. And I thank you for meeting all of our needs. We just claim that promise that says you would meet our needs. And we just commit to loving you with our life. We commit to serving you and to serving people. And we just believe you for the increase and the salvation of our spouse. We believe you for the salvation of our kids. We believe you for the salvation of our workplace. We believe you the salvation of our city. As we go low and serve, Father, we are believing you for those things. We know it's not on us. We know you can provide the increase and the transformation and the change. And so we believe you for all of those. Jesus, you are amazing and we love, love you and we uplift you with you. You're the name above every other name. You're the name that we bow down and glorify. You're the name above every name that at the name of Jesus, we would declare that you are Lord that you are our Saviour, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we uplift you and we magnify you over our life and over our family and over our city, that Jesus, you are Lord over this city, and we glorify you and exalt you. Thank you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe there is soup and dessert. Wow, you are blessing us today. Hey, if you need prayer for anything, there's gonna be a ministry team, which I think Amy's leading. Someone, there'll be people here. If you need prayer, prayer is good. If you need a word of encouragement, come and get prayer. If you need a prophetic word, come and get prayer. If you need healing in your body, come and get prayer. If you are going through all sorts of turmoil in your life, come and get prayer. And if you have got the goodness of God in your life and you wanna tell the world about it, come and tell us. Because we all need to hear about Jesus, don't we? God bless you.